Hey there, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of your and my favorite podcast, <laughs> Random Song Encounters. Coming to you this week with episode 19, we're calling On the Rocks. And once again, we're back home at our SoCal Desert Mega Studio uh, to present this thing to you. Uh, we're calling this thing On the Rocks this week. Um, could have a couple of different meanings. One is uh, related, of course, to uh, your favorite cocktail and how uh, you may like it served on the rocks. Uh, and the other is potentially, you know, a relationship or a friendship or something of that sort that's on the rocks or in a bad way and in danger of, you know, uh, separation or whatever. So in this case, you know, we're going to go with the uh, the better of the two. Uh, versions and talk about uh, cocktails. Uh, by the look of the sun in the sky, it's uh, about cocktail time somewhere, so why not grab your favorite rocks or old-fashioned glass, uh, drop a couple cubes in it, and add your favorite libation, and let's hit, kick this thing off. Segment one's ready to go with the tune by 10cc. You need a yen to make your money if you want to make 
Yeah, that was good. Great way to start off the show, segment one. I'll drink to that. Hope you all are, you know, having uh, your favorite beverage as well. Um, let's go back to the beginning. We start off with the Wall Street Shuffle by 10CC out of the UK from their 1974 LP Sheet Music, which was their second LP released. Um, they formed in '72. And uh, the story, as the story goes, you know, the, the band name is supposedly based on ten cubic centimeters of se- semen, which is a volume that's more than, higher than the average for ejaculation. Thus, this is supposed to emphasize their musical poten- potency and prowess. Uh, that's a that's a wild one, uh, but hey, we'll go with it. I'll drink to that. Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, let's see. 10CC. Uh, some of you may well know, um, since they had five consecutive UK top 10 albums from 72 to 78. Uh, this is a really weird setup in a band. You don't usually see this, but each member of the band is a multi instrumentalist and a singer, a songwriter, and a producer. So, uh, I mean, they. Any of them can do it, and they all, uh, they actually write as teams, or did used to write as teams, and one team was, was more pop-oriented and, you know, wrote the, you know, the more uh, accessible songs um, that they released, and while the other team was more into the experimental uh, type music inspired by art and cinematic uh, topics, uh, which you might recognize from some of the old songs like from... Uh, um, oh God, can't remember now. But a uh, uh, couple of great uh, albums that they released were, were had that art cinematic um, uh, type of um, sound to it. In any case, the the song itself, Wall Street Shuffle, is based on a trip the band took to New York, and they happened to be driving through Wall Street in their limo uh, and. Uh, one of the guys just happened to say, hey, we're on Wall Street. And one of the other guys said, hey, we're doing the Wall Street Shuffle. And boom, a song title came from that. And uh, they got back home and, and put the, the title and came up with the, with the song. And here it is. It's, it's, based, it's set in New York City, uh, referenced in Wall Street. But the song is actually related to a huge uh, drop in the British pound uh, that was going on at the time the song was written, so uh, it's more related to, to the British financial uh, hardship that was happening at the time, but they, they uh, like I say, used Wall Street Shuffle and, and uh, set it in New York. Secondly, we heard Here I Go Again from the Hollies out of the UK from their 1964 LP, Here I Go Again, uh, which was an, actually an, an EP. Uh, it's their third release, but it was an EP instead of an LP. There were only like four tracks on it. They formed in 62, a couple of guys, Alan Clark and Graham Nash, who a lot of you may know, uh, got the band together, and they're considered to be one of the top British groups of the 60s and 70s. Uh, they, as you can hear on that track, they're known for their distinctive uh, three-part vocal harmonies, and, uh, you know, after short, kind of a short-lived, though, I'm, well, not short-lived, but short-lived as in Graham Nash. Uh, Graham left the band in 1968 to form Crosby, Stills, and Nash, uh, but the rest of the band hung around and 
they're one of the UK, one of the few K group, UK groups from the early '60s who've continued to record and perform through changes in, in band members and so on and so forth. Uh, the other being the Rolling Stones. So that's quite a deal to still be doing it uh, after all those years. Um, supposedly, the band decided to call themselves the Hollies based on their admiration for Buddy Holly. And this particular song uh, was the first original song released by uh, the Hollies. They had four previous singles that were released prior to this one, and they, but they were all cover versions of other songs. After that, we went to The Fix, three in a row out of the UK and their song The Sign of Fire from their 1983 second LP titled Reach the Beach they formed in 79 and, and originally they were called The Fix F-I-X instead of uh, the common spelling or the uh, is F-I-X-X uh, the record company uh, insisted on the name change uh, because there was a they saw a potential reference to a drug addict or drug use uh, implication there using FIX. So, uh, you know, a rock band and so on and so forth. So, you know, I guess you can get, to, and back in that day, you or even now, you could get, to, get, you could get there if you really wanted to, but uh, they were really picky back then. Um, so instead of changing their name altogether, they reached a, finally reached a compromise and altered the spelling, adding the second X. So the, band, the record company bought it, and off they went. Uh, this album is the most successful of the group's releases, and uh, hey, they're still out there touring and recording as of 2023. Uh, I saw them a few years back, uh, great, still great live, and uh, they've just put out, a, I think, another record within the last couple of years, so they're still going strong. Check them out, The Fix. Uh, next, we heard a group called Dom, out of Massachusetts, uh, their song "Living in America" off the 2010 LP "Sunbronzed Greek Gods," which was their debut EP. Uh, the group is a solo musical project of a guy named Dominic Cornier. Cornier, uh, so hence the name Dom, uh, and they're known for this fuzzy, warped vocals, uh, lo-fi distortion, broken keyboard lines, so on and so forth, which you can hear, hear all of those in that specific track. Um, he's released three EPs or LPs between 2010 and 12, and then uh, only single releases since the 2012, with the latest coming uh, last year. So he's still out there making some music, but uh, you know, uh, this particular album was uh, his big uh, stepping stone into the into the music business in the spotlight. Lastly, in that segment, we heard from Brian Adams out of Canada, and the song "The Only Look, The Only Thing That Looks Good on Me Is You," uh, from his 1996 seventh LP called "18 Till I Die." Um, he's, you know, everybody knows Brian Adams mostly from his, uh, you know, the ballads that he's. Uh, released over the years, but he's really a, a hard rocker at heart. Uh, that's how he started his career, uh, and he's described as one of the best-selling musical artists of all times, with nearly a hundred million records and singles sold worldwide. So quite a big deal there. Uh, he actually quit school at the age of 15 when he got a gig as a lead singer in a Canadian glam group called Sweeney Todd. 
Uh, he happened to replace the singer Nick Gilder, uh, who some of you may have known uh, for his, his uh, solo uh, release, Hot Child in the City, back in, uh, back in the day. Uh, so he joined that group at 15, and by the time he was 20, he uh, went solo and released his first LP. Uh, <clears throat> he met up with a guy during uh, his, uh, his solo period named Jim Valance, uh, who had just uh, who'd worked from another Canadian band or called, I think, Prism. Uh, they met, got together, and started writing songs together. And uh, he's almost, uh, Brian's almost continuously worked as a songwriting duo with Jim Valance. And over this long time collaboration, there's been a couple of particular uh, albums or so that the that the, he's worked with someone else, but uh, for the most part, it's been Brian Adams and Jim Valance as a as a songwriting team. Uh, as a, an example, this particular album, "18 Till I Die," was written, recorded, and produced with Mutt Lang, uh, who we spoke about in prior episodes, working with ACDC, and you know he's worked with a whole myriad of of uh, rock, you know, uh, stars and so on and so forth. So, hey. Have another drink on me, and uh, let's uh, switch it up, go to episode two, and check in with Teenage Fan Club.
have it. Segment two of three segments in the books in episode 19 this week. Let's uh, start off with that one. That was a rockin' little number by a group called The Struts, uh, called Fallen With Me. It was a, uh, just released, this is a, well, fairly new track, uh, 2022. It's a non-album single that they put out. Uh, they formed in 2012, uh, and the band name came about at a rehearsal when one of the guys was walking about in the studio, and someone co- commented, hey, you strut around a lot, and, uh, you know, hey, they said, there's the name, the Struts, and lo and behold, they went and checked and were totally shocked that the Struts weren't already taken, so they scooped it up, and there you have it. Uh, their frontman, lead singer, Luke Spiller, uh, has been described as like a musical love child of Freddie Mercury and Mick Jagger. I think he even had uh, uh, Freddie Mer- Mercury's a costume designer uh, work with him uh, for one of their uh, uh, tours to design the outfits for the tour. Uh, They just happened to have released a new LP uh, just last month titled Pretty Vicious. This song's not on that. Like I said, it's a non-album single that was just released in the interim. Uh, Their sound, uh, as you can kind of tell by that tune, is is kind of rooted in the classic old-style glam rock uh, style. Uh, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters... uh, has called them the best opening band they ever had. Uh, they toured with Foo Fighters in 2018. So there you have it, uh, The Struts. Check them out if uh, you enjoyed that track. Prior to that, we heard, you know, uh, obviously the Beach Boys out of Southern California, their song Sail on Sailor from the 1973 LP Holland, which was their 19th LP at the time. Uh, what can you say about the Beach Boys? They're one of the most beloved and influential acts of the rock era. Uh, the original lineup, like another, you know, one of these family affairs that we've talked about with a couple other groups, three brothers, the Wilson brothers, Brian, Dennis, and Carl, uh, along with Mike Love, who is their cousin. And then they brought along uh, uh, one of their friends from school uh, uh, to finish up the group. Called, uh, the guy, uh, his name is Al Jardine. So that was the... Uh, original Beach Boys lineup. Of course, over the years, they've gone through zillions of changes. Uh, uh, Dennis was actually the only surfer in the group, and he came up with the suggestion that they base their uh, music initially on surfing to celebrate the sport and the lifestyle, which is, you know, uh, tons of songs that they released in the 60s uh, tied to surfing and cars and so on and so forth. Uh, They were formed in the in 1961, and they were originally called the Pendletons, you know, after those, you know, woolen shirts that are popular. So I guess still popular to the day, but uh, it was a pun on uh, that uh, type of style shirt. And uh, when they signed their deal, they actually wanted to be called the Surfers. But luckily for everyone, uh, that name was already taken by another group. So uh, one of the promoters for the record company threw out the word, or the name, the Beach Boys, and they went with it. Uh, this particular album, Holland, is the last kind of under the leadership of Brian Wilson. He was kind of fading into the uh, into the woodwork there. I think he only wrote two tracks on this particular 
album, this was one. Uh, and it's also, the song itself, Sail on Sailor, is one of the few of their songs that wasn't sung by either, sung by either Mike Love, Brian Wilson, or Carl Wilson. Instead, it's sung by a guy named Blondie Chaplin, who had joined the group uh, a year earlier. And they had tried uh, a couple other guys, I think, uh, Mike Love, I don't know if they, Mike did, but Carl Wilson for sure uh, tried a vocal, and Dennis, I believe. And uh, they ended up, uh, they liked Blondie's the best and decided to go with it. So there you go, the Beach Boys. Uh, prior to that, we went back to the UK and the XTC. Their song, Earn Enough For Us, off their 1986 LP, Skylarking, which was their ninth LP. Uh, they formed in 72, and uh, they're fronted by a couple of songwriters, Andy Partridge and Colin Moulding. Uh, they went through several member and name changes uh, in their evolution as a group uh, from 72 to 75 before finally uh, settling on XTC. Uh, it's supposedly a reference to uh, the old, some of you may or may not know Jimmy Durante from back in the day, uh, comedian, singer, uh, uh, from back in the, gosh, I don't know how, how long he's been around, but you know, real old time uh, uh, actor and uh, musician. Uh, he ex he exclaimed, exclaimed uh, upon discovering the lost chord, uh, I'm in ecstasy. Uh, they took that and changed it uh, to, I guess, to XTC instead of the, the normal spelling just to uh, exaggerate on the lettering and, and how it would stick out on the album cover. Uh, in the early 80s, uh, Andy Partridge started developing panic attacks when performing on stage. He had, had you know, stomach pains and uh, all kinds of issues, uh, and he eventually couldn't perform and, and refused to tour due to his affliction. Uh, the album itself was produced by Todd Rundgren, which we've also talked about a couple of different times in, in different episodes. Uh, it's a loose concept album on nonspecific cycles like a, a day, a year, seasons, or life. Um, and the title of uh, the album uh, is, comes from the British Royal Navy in a term which means fooling around. Uh, and its, it's particular album is, is generally regarded as, as their best album and, and best work that, they've ever, that they ever put out. Prior to that, we heard another legend uh, in the music business, Bob Dylan, uh, born in Minnesota, transplanted to, uh, to New York City uh, during his you know, the, the high times in the 60s and, and now lives in L, out in L.A., um, his song Positive, Positively 4th Street from 1965 again this is a single only release never uh, appeared on any of his albums other than it was included on his greatest hits LP uh, you know another, another one of these guys what can you say except he's one of the greatest songwriters ever and uh, a major fig figure in pop culture uh, over his 60 plus year career um, the song itself, uh, Positively Fourth Street, is generally assumed to, to be a, a ridicule of the Greenwich Village crowd who criticized uh, Dylan for his change in styles from traditional folk music back in the day uh, to starting to use uh, electric instruments, electric guitar, and, and more of a rock-based sound. 
So they panned him. He did a, a infamous show at uh, the Newport Jazz Festival where he was booed off the stage after like three songs. And you know, after that particular gig, I think he wrote this song <laughs> like within a couple of weeks and uh, put it out uh, to kind of respond to those people. Uh, West Fourth Street, where, uh, where positively Fourth Street supposedly comes from, it kind of runs through Greenwich Village and was. Uh, uh, that particular street is a home to several uh, folk-based clubs. There you have the story. And we started off way back in the beginning of segment two with About You by Teenage Fan Club out of Scotland. Off their 1995 LP Grand Prix, which was their fifth. They formed in 89, and uh, hey, Kirk Cobain of Nirvana uh, called them the best band in the world at the time. Uh, another uh, glowing... Uh, a response came from uh, the Oasis lead singer Liam Gallagher, Gallagher, who said, "They're the second best, uh, o- only behind Oasis, as the best band he'd ever heard." Uh, the band uh, again is one of those groups that uh, shares all the, the lead vocals and the songwriting duties, and they, even in concert, they they try and give equal time to each of the members to to uh, show their songs uh, during concerts. Uh, they're still out there making music, although I think they've obviously gone through a couple of band changes, but uh, they continue to record and put out music and tour as of 2023. So there you have segment two. And if you have, haven't got a drink, pull one up, pour one out, um, and let's uh, keep moving into segment three with a band called Better Than Ezra.
Yeah, a great way to finish up the show for this week in segment three. I <laughs> love it. Here is stain I can't get out. Uh, but let's talk about that a little later uh, at the end of uh, our little research segment here. We started off in the beginning of segment three with The King of New Orleans by Better Than Ezra out of New Orleans. Their uh, 1996 third LP called Friction Baby. Uh, they formed in 1988 while well, all four of the original members were attending LSU. Uh, this is one of those uh, situations where the band members continue to re- refuse to disclose the origin of the band origin of the band name. So, hey, it's, you're just going to have to keep it to your, keep guessing for yourself. Uh, the album title uh, "Friction Baby" comes from a TV interview they saw with the Rolling Stones. Keith Richards. Uh, they asked Keith how how uh, he and Mick Jagger were able to stay together for so long, uh, and then, uh, you know, in typical Keith Richards style, he took a big puff of his cigarette and said, "Friction, baby, friction." Uh, the band continues to tour and teased a new album uh, release, although uh, nothing's come out in uh, music news or otherwise as of late, so uh, we'll see what happens to that. Uh, another little tidbit, you know, their fans like to call themselves Ezraelites. So there you have it. Better than Ezra. After that, we went back to 1967 and the Mamas and the Papas, um, mainly out of L.A., uh, and their tune, uh, I think it's called, it's Creek Alley. Uh, it was uh, off their 1967 LP, The Mamas and the Papas Deliver, which was their third LP. They formed in uh, New York City in 1965. Three of the band members are from the U.S., one from Canada. Uh, they had been working in different bands and joined forces to uh, form the Mamas and Papas. Uh, they spent the first half of the year uh, alone in, in the Virgin Islands where had, they had uh, worked and performed before or, or some of the group had worked before, before uh, doing rehearsals and just putting their style and the band together so that the, when they went out uh, they were ready to rock and roll uh, or folk and rolls as it were. Uh, they ended up in LA at the end of the day after signing a deal with Dunhill Records and became a huge part of the, that famous Laurel Canyon music scene that we've talked about prior with Crosby, Stills and Nash and Jackson Brown and you know uh, so on and so forth. Um, this particular song references uh, the circumstances in which the band uh, met and formed. So kind of an interesting take on that. Uh, the song title uh, isn't referenced in the song uh, but it refers to a spot in the Virgin Islands where John and Michelle Phillips, husband and wife team that were part of the group, uh, performed at a club uh, prior to uh, when they were a, just a duo prior to forming the Mamas and the Papas. The album t- title uh, is a reference to Cass Elliot's pregnancy during the recording uh, and how it was closely guarded secret from the public and the press. Uh, mainly because back in the day in the 60s there was a big social social stigma at the time uh, dealing with unwed mothers so they kept it secret 
during, uh, which is why they call it uh, the mamas and papas deliver, because uh, she was delivering a baby and they were delivering, uh, uh, they were helping deliver it uh, while keeping it a secret. After that, we heard Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band out of Detroit, Michigan, and his song Sunspot Baby uh, off his 1976 LP Night Moves, which was his ninth LP, uh, but the first uh, were that he uh, credited with the Silver Bullet Band. He had worked uh, with other uh, bands that he had uh, started prior to that. Uh, I think one was called uh, Bob Seeger Group. And I don't remember the other one off the top of my head, but it may come to me. Um, Bob started out at 16 years of age in his first group, um, and by 21 he had gone solo, starting his first band. Uh, the Silver Bullet Band wasn't actually formed until 1974. Um, his sound is is known as you know obviously Heartland rock, um, and his songs typically deal with blue collar themes and love and, and women. This particular one, of course, Sunspot Baby, uh, deals with you know, love and women. Uh, he's another one of these guys, you know, he's one of the world's best-selling artists, selling more than 75 million records world worldwide. Uh, and he actually re went into retirement as of 2019, so good with him and good for him. And um, thanks for the memories, Bob. Last but not least, we rocked and rolled with the Donnas out of San Francisco, in their, or the San Francisco area. And their song, It's On The Rocks, off their 2002 LP, Spend the Night, which was their fifth LP. Um, this is an all-female all band formed. They were all uh, like 15 years of age or around about 15 years of age and all went to the same school in Palo Alto in the eighth grade. They decided to form a band to participate in some um, uh, school uh, entertainment uh, deal that was happening. So. They were turned out to be one of two all-female bands in their hometown of Palo Alto at the time, um, so they didn't. Nothing much happened, but they kept you know working on their craft. Uh, and then after high school, uh, they had started another band, a band of themselves that they called the Electrodes. Um, and while they were playing as the Electrodes, were kind of a high-energy metal type of band, uh, they decided to create another band. Uh, same members, but just another band that would play different music, play more softer tunes, and so that would distinguish them uh, between the two bands, but uh, play in two bands at the same time. So for this particular band, called, this was the Donnas, uh, they took on Donna monikers amongst all themselves, so they all went by the first name Donna, but uh, they substituted the initial of their real last name to distinguish between the members. And one was like Donna A and the other one was Donna F. And I don't remember the other two off the top of my head, but you know, there you go. The Donnas was born. Um, the band was reportedly working on a new LP in 2012, but uh, uh, their drummer had to uh, retire due to uh, you know, injury. Uh, and it sounded like uh, the band had decided to uh, cease and desist and you know there was no plans to reunite um just again i just love that uh, uh that saying in the song you know you're staying i can't get out um, so there you have it we're closing out the show for this week
So finish your drinks because we're closing for the night and let's uh, head for the door and lock it behind you. All right, there you have it. We polished off our cocktails as well as this episode of Random Song Encounters that we called On the Rocks. Hope you enjoyed the tunes we rolled out this week, along with a libation or two of your choice. I certainly did. Thanks again for your continued support, and we will return next week with our milestone, episode 20. Hope you can join us, and remember to drink responsibly. Hey, there you have it, our first PSA. Uh, Let's just say cheers, chin-chin, salute, or whatever strikes you. And don't forget, share the good stuff. Bye for now.